Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. <laughs> With Ian Rod B. Coming up, uh, Tyler McComas will help us preview the other really, really big game in the Big 12 this weekend. We know right here in Austin at 11 a.m. it's uh, the big noon Fox game. It's Texas. It's K-State. Rod will get us behind the burnt orange curtain coming up talking about this matchup with the two-headed monster at quarterback for Kansas State. Probably the best O-line that Texas will face this year for K-State with six with three six-year seniors I agree with that. on that line. Started a lot of games together. Yeah. Uh, and as we said yesterday with our conversation with uh, our man Tim Fitzgerald, who covers and has covered the uh, K-State Wildcats for three decades, they're not flashy, Rod. Uh, they're, not, they're not super explosive across the field, but they are efficient and physical and sound. That's what K-State yeah. is. You're going to have to beat that group um, coming up on Saturday. But uh, the other big game is in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So we'll to go north of the border and talk to our buddy Tyler McComas. We always do when there's something involving the Oklahoma schools. So uh, we'll preview Bedlam uh, with Tyler on this, nice. Tyler McComas on this Thursday. Uh, before we get to the headlines, Rod, did you see the, uh, the fake story that was going around that duped a lot of people involving the Raiders? Yes, the Halloween story? Yes. Yeah, I saw it, yeah. It's, that, was, that was too good to be true. I know. Sometimes I was like, really? Was like, this guys, a Seinfeld episode? It's too good to be true. Yeah, for those who didn't hear it, let me know if I'm off here. Basically, that Josh McDaniels came up dressed as Mark Davis. Yeah, came in for Halloween <laughs> after as losing to the Monday Night Football game to the Lions in ugly fashion, dressed up as Mark Davis. <laughs> that is like a Seinfeld But the other part of the story that was perfect is that it's been well known for a long time that, that Mark Davis, the owner, his favorite restaurant is P.F. Chang's. Oh, no. P.F. Chang's. Oh, no. And uh, the way the story was written was that Mark Davis went (laughs) along with it, thought it was kind of a funny deal, and then ordered lunch, and it came in, and and the the, the story says that he he opened his fortune cookie, Josh McDaniel did, and it said, you're fired. You're fired, big guy, or something like that, which which that he fired him with a fortune cookie. It's like, come on, guys, that's too good to be true. Now, sometimes those stories that seem too good to be true actually turn out to be true because truth is strange in fiction. Remember the Johnny Manziel homeless man story? Yes. From the draft? I was like, that's not real. Turns out it was real. <laughs> it was real. That uh, the uh, the uh, was it the it was the GM or the owner of the Browns? I think it was the GM or something had a homeless man or something tell him something about Johnny Manziel. I remember that story. I was like, that's not a real story. Turns out it was true. Turns out it was real. Well, hey, but this, it was the Browns. Hey, this Michigan story doesn't seem real. Yeah, it doesn't. Connor Stallions. Connor Stallions. That seems like a fake That He's on the central Michigan sideline. That feels like, like a fake, fake name. story. Nope. Fake name. You're right. Then you in the in the <laughs> yeah. getup, the, yeah. the incognito garb but yeah. for central Michigan. It seems like that's. Nope. And he used his own name? Yeah. And he bought his own tickets under his own name? They, you can tell they just didn't think they would be caught. That, that, that's how you know, number one, it's happening a lot everywhere um, because they assume, no, it's, it's yeah, it's frowned upon, but nobody really gets in trouble for sign stealing. So they decided to take it to another level, a la the, the Houston Astros, and they were 
so arrogant and cocky about it that they didn't feel the need to cover their tracks. It's going to be like your, your old story about your kids and the candy for Halloween when they would stash their own candy and they would go through all the effort of stashing the candy and hide it from you guys. And then you'd walk in there in the morning and there'd be candy wrappers on the floor because they passed out eating chocolate and you're going – well, kid, if you just hit the candy wrappers, <laughs> I would have never know. found out about your candy stash. That's that's to me. That's just kind of Michigan. Like if they, they'd have been a little bit more careful with this, a little bit more discreet. I'm not sure people find out about this. They but they were speculated so about it. Well, it's yeah. like the Astros and banging trash cans. Yeah, I mean, that's not became, hard to go figure yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. You got too cocky with it, man. You got too obvious. You were just blatant with this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then I think that's what led to your downfall. But the Astros were blatant with it. Why? Because they were like, well, everybody's doing it. We're just going to do it better yeah. than everybody else. And I think Jim Harbaugh had the same mindset. Oh, everybody's doing it. Watch. We're going to take it to the, the nth degree. We're going to take it to the highest possible level you can take it to. And Yeah, you might have taken it too well, far. And before Across even you know, Mike Fires even whistle blew him, you know, you get you go back and look at videos. There were pitcher White Sox game day game. No one's at the stadium, and you can hear the bangs. And he's <laughs> he's coming off the mound. He's yelling. Like, come oh, on, man. You come guys on, you guys. Try to be discreet at all. Come yeah. on. Um, all right, let's get to the other headlines, though. Trending topics, top stories, and we'll talk to Tyler about the other big game in the Big Twelve. But let's get the news. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonico bring you the headlines and our top stories. It is baseball, of course. History in the desert last night. Nathan Avaldi pitched six gritty innings and shutout innings at that. Uh, after then, after their bats were held silence for six innings, the Rangers finally broke through, broke a scoreless tie with an RBI single in the seventh from Mitch Garver. Then four more in the ninth, and the Rangers took a five nothing lead in the bottom of the frame, looking to close out the franchise's first ever World Championship. After a strikeout and a foul out to start the inning, Josh Bohr is the right-hander working to Cattell Marte in a full count. In their 63rd season. Uh, Five-game series, that's all it took. Corey Seager named the series MVP. Nathan Ivaldi is the first pitcher ever to win five games in one postseason, all as a starter. And skipper Bruce Bochy, now just the sixth manager ever to win four world championships. And that's a credit to Chris Young and ownership, Ray Davis. They were determined to, to get winning baseball back to the Texas Rangers. And when we met, that's what we talked about. That's what they talked about to me. And and they did everything they said they were going to do. They went out and got starting pitching, uh, improved the club. We had young talent coming up. I knew this was a good ball club. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate, blessed, uh, you know, to, to come into this. It's such a great group of guys. And, but it's, it starts at the top. And those guys were committed. And, look, we're, we're in a good place now. Also starts with development. Huge congrats to the top affiliate, the Round Rock Express, AAA Ball Club. 14 players or coaches on the championship squad came through that Dell Diamond on their way to the big club. Several of them this season. College football, seventh-ranked Longhorns into a prep for their showdown with 23rd-ranked K-State at DKR on Saturday. Both teams enter the uh, contest at 4-1. and one. Of course, part of that five-way tie atop the conference. The Big 12 Conference weekend begins tonight out in Lubbock. There's a Thursday night game, 3-5 and five, Texas Tech, hosting 4-4 four and four TCU. That game will kick at 6 o'clock tonight. Meanwhile, major news coming out the Big Ten, recorded the ESPN's Pete Thamel, a 90-minute video chat last night between the Big Ten with all the Big Ten coaches and a vast majority of them 
expressed their frustrations with the ongoing signal stealing investigation in Michigan. Uh, the call was described as intense and emotional. And according to Pete Thamel, the coaches encouraged the conference commissioner, Tony Petiti, to take immediate action against Jim Harbaugh and the program. NFL weekend kicks off tonight in Pittsburgh. Four and three Steelers hosting the three and four Tennessee Titans. Rookie quarterback Will Levis will again get the start for the Titans. Uh, Pete's second round pick last April threw four TDs in his debut this past Sunday in a win over Atlanta. Sad news from basketball. Word from his family that coaching legend Bobby Knight passed away yesterday. The brilliant but combustible coach won three NCAA titles at Indiana. Uh, four decades, he was the scowling face of college basketball. He was 83. Knight was among the winningest coaches in the sport. 902 career victories, 42 seasons at Army, Indiana, Texas Tech. Also coached the U.S. Olympic team to a gold medal in 1984. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Well, Tyler here. Uh, and once again, as we've been doing all morning, congrats to the Rangers. Uh, that is a really impressive. Can I ask you just really quickly, where is, because we talked um, to a few insiders uh, for the Rangers um, before the World Series, just previewing the World Series, and I think I asked both of the insiders, multiple insiders, the same question. Where does this World Series put Bruce Bochy among all-time great managers? Is he now on the Mount Rushmore? Are we talking about clearly on the Mount Rushmore now? I mean, he's got he got he's second all time in most postseason rounds one, uh, with seventeen behind Joe Torre, who has nineteen. Um, he is one of five managers to win World Series with multiple teams. That's pretty damn impressive. Um, and you brought this stat up earlier. He's won four World Series. Only five other managers have won that many. I mean, where are we putting Bochy now? Well, we not Rushmore. I, I think we, in the modern era of baseball, he's he's right there with Joe Torre. I mean, yeah. I think those would be the two. Um, you know, because when you talk about you know, he's got four four championships now. He's the sixth manager to, manager to get there. The most owned are belong by Joe, by Joe McCarthy and Casey Stengel. Seven uh, with seven, and Connie Mack has five. That goes way back. That's, yeah. So uh, yeah, in the last fifty era. years, yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with Bruce Bochy and his success. Joe Torre uh, would be in that conversation. Uh, I would think uh, you could meet people from Tony LaRusso, Tony LaRusso, yeah. La um, you know, those are the kind of names. But, yeah, he's in that conversation uh, without a doubt. And it is pretty funny. That he, we'll, we'll hear him coming up talking about how he was sitting on a, his easy chair in Nashville just chilling, just uh, kicking it. fishing and retired. And that's when uh, Chris Young called and then said, hey, we, we, need a, we need the right manager at the right time. And uh, you are that person. Home run hire. And it, I guess what, Grand for Bruce Bochy, you know, it's an odd number year. Remember when he was with the Giants, it was always in the odd years with Madison Bumgarner and those teams. Uh, they mm -hmm. weren't, and that was the thing about, uh, you know, Bruce Bochy when he was in with the San Francisco Giants. It wasn't always, they weren't always the best team during the regular season. And this year they weren't the best team during the regular season. They're just the hot team. They're the best when it counts. Yep. And you just gave the stats about that, that really elevate him into that conversation that, you know, when it matters most, he 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 outmanages other managers because when you this, I always say this about you know when you get to the postseason it's about you know your hitters have to be able to hit good pitching because you're not going to see I mean you can during the regular season you can feast on some bad pitching right and you can post oh, yeah. some numbers when you get to the postseason you're facing good pitching so you got to be able to generate runs and hit good pitching when you're managing you got to manage against good managers and good teams and that shows you that Bruce Bochy is among the best we've ever seen yeah at that the uh, the Rangers have the they had the third longest preseason odds to win the World Series in the wild card era behind a 91 Twins 
2003 Marlins. Who oh, wow, Marlins. one and 75 to one. Kirby Puckett twins and uh, the, the no-name Marlins. Well, they got some names, but uh, hadn't heard them at that time. Nope. Hey, uh, speaking of names, can we go to the Vaqueros hotline, switch gears to some college football? We'll get to the Longhorns in K-State bottom of the hour. But whenever something big happens in the state of Oklahoma, we'd like to talk to our buddy Tyler McComas, yes, host of The Rush on The Ref, 2-6 to six up there in Oklahoma City. Uh, he is tremendous when it comes to all things OU football and Oklahoma State. Those two happen to play on Saturday afternoon in Stillwater. He joins us on the Vaqueros Hotline. What's up, T-Mac? Uh, guys, I'm fine. Good to hear from you. It's just uh, extremely hostile up here this week. People can't stand the believe. offensive coordinator. Uh, this is the biggest game of Brent Venable's career. That's a pretty popular sentiment up here. You know, you had four or five losses at this point last year, so 7-1 is definitely better. But, uh, guys, uh, things have turned in a hurry uh, up here, that's for sure. And they better get it fixed this weekend or – it's going to be even worse next week or next week. Yeah, man, this is unbelievable the way these two teams' uh, fates have turned. I mean, Oklahoma out to the fast start, beat Texas in that thriller, and uh, you know, but you know, you, you're, you're talking about you know uh, Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator. Last week they lose in Kansas, and it was a heavy run game plan. Dylan Gabriel you know, going into that that two minute drill drive at the end had only thrown twelve passes. He threw seven trying to get them into the end zone to win it. So he ended up with nineteen attempts. Was, is something wrong with Gabriel, or is that just was that just the game plan to try to beat Kansas? Well, he threw, he threw a pick six early in the game, and I don't know if that threw off Jeff Levy's confidence in his Heisman contending quarterback. I mean, I, it, it was a bad mistake, um, but I just don't think that that should make you completely abandon the run game. Maybe that was the case. I don't know. But, you know, they ran the ball a ton. I mean, you mentioned it, Aaron. I, oh, you ran for 269 yards, and we've been waiting all year long for this run game to really get going. They had a good run game against Texas, but really had to use Dylan Gabriel to be kind of a focal part of that run game. They ran it 55 times for 269 yards. So you would think, well, why is everyone complaining about the offensive coordinator? Well, there's one play specifically that people are tired of seeing. They continue to try to run it, and it just hasn't worked. They try to run these jet sweeps with Gavin Freeman, a a former walk-on. He's a nice player, but they've been trying to get him out to the edge all year long. It's just not working out. In critical points of the game last week, a, a third and three, when you've been running for six, seven yards a pop, you're trying to get cute and go sideline to sideline. It's gotten so bad this week, guys. The offensive coordinator's name is Jeff Levy, but our text line and really the majority of OU fans referring to him as Jet Levy, as Jet Sweet. Uh, Levy and the Jet. Levy and the Jet has been a parody song off of Benny and the Jets. Like it's um, it, it's hostile up here, guys, with OU fans and its OC. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, because I did. I saw some uh, memes online uh, on Twitter of basically uh, the, what was scaring Oklahoma fans the most was uh, jet sweeps. So now I get the yeah. meme. Now I understand exactly what it was all about. So is the defense here uh, avoiding a lot of the blame for the loss versus Kansas? Uh, was the, In your opinion, uh, was the defense uh, playing up to, up, to, uh, up to snuff there as well? I think that's fair. Um, I mean, you, you score 33 points. I know it's a different age of college football, right? But if this defense is as improved as I've made it out to be or as improved as we think it is, I think 33 points should be enough to win a game, um, especially against a good Kansas team. And, Rob, that was my big issue with the defense. They came out and had no energy. That was the worst tackling game that they've had this year, and it's really not even, it's not even close. Jaron Kanek, one of their starting linebackers, is getting pulled in the middle of a series because he's not wrapping up, tackling well. 
So I do think the defense needs to be blamed. Now, I'll say this. You know, in the fourth quarter, they have back-to-back drives where they get interceptions. You know, um, Billy Bowman gets a pick that helps you take the lead back. Ethan Downs has an interception. And all you had to do at that point was just get a first down. You get a first down. You've got the ball in the lead late. All you do, get one first down and the game's over. They're unable to do that. Kansas goes down and scores. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, the, the offense is kind of who everyone's talking about. But this defense, I mean, for the past couple of weeks, it's given up chunk plays. And with the run game, with the pass game, it's got to be better against one of, if maybe not the best running backs in all of college football this weekend. Well, you mentioned Ollie Gordon. He is, uh, you know, that's who you're referring to there. And what's your thumbnail on this Mike Gundy team? They looked awful in September. They lost back-to-back games, one to South Alabama at home, and then they turned around and lost to Iowa State. And you're thinking, oh, man, this thing is falling apart for Mike Gundy. Uh, they've won four in a row. They've got Ollie Gordon, who's uh, taken off and, gosh, rushed for like 800 yards in the last four games. He's been unbelievable. Kid out of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, what's been the key to the turnaround for Mike Gundy's team? Is it simple, simple as Ollie Gordon or, or, and settling on a quarterback? Yes, that's it. I mean, keep it simple, stupid, right? So, like, Mike Gundy's getting all these all this praise right here. Like, wow, this is one of the most incredible in-season turnarounds we can remember for Oklahoma State uh, ever. Well, it's not like it was something complicated. It was, all right, let's just stick with Alan Bowman at quarterback, and let's identify, because they had a bye week after uh, the Iowa State loss, let's identify who our best player is, and let's just get him the ball as much as possible. They identified that was Ollie Gordon, and this is what this is what's happening. So they've kept it rather simple. You're seeing their offensive line play some pretty good football right now. Um, their, their team is just in a groove right now. I mean, they're they're hot. They're playing extremely well. I still think their defense is is very gettable, and you've seen that at times throughout their four game winning streak. But Aaron, I mean, that's it, man. It's let's stop rotating these three quarterbacks. Let's find some continuity at that position and find some continuity with their run game. And luckily, Ollie Gordon has turned out to be one of the best players in the country. Like, going back and watching that Cincinnati game, it's not that he's just running through gaping holes. He's making plays at the line of scrimmage where Cincinnati's backer meets him right at the line of scrimmage. And he's just ducking underneath it, an incredibly athletic play to avoid these tackles. So he is he is really that good. He, he really is that good. And for a defense and OU that really struggled to tackle last week, they – They've got their hands full, and and they're pretty beat up right now too, guys. Which is not not a good uh, not a good place to be. Rod, before you ask the next question, 858 yards from scrimmage the last three games for Ollie Gordon, wow. and joins Barry Sanders as the only Oklahoma State back to go for over 250 in consecutive games. Whoa. He was 271 last week in the win. So, yes, big numbers. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. Hey, Dad, let me ask you about uh, Mike Gundy because early on in the season, as you, t- as you just brought up, he's rotating quarterbacks. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Mike Gundy. He's done. Maybe he's pulling the George Costanza, all right, trying to get fired from Oklahoma State. Um, but, he, uh, you know, he, once again, he proves that he's just a hell of a ball coach. He's anti-NIL, anti-transfer portal. What is the, the, the public kind of uh, sentiment about Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State fans up there? Are they frustrated with some of his antics, or is he one of those guys that's a made man and he always can kind of, you know, uh, really kind of deliberately uh, essentially build his own legacy and really kind of exit the way he wants to? Well, I think the answer is different now than it was a month ago. You know, a, a month ago <laughs> it's we're tired of this. He's anti-NIL. He's anti-transfer portal. He uses his press conference as 
you know, a way to spew off his political beliefs and how screwed up yeah. college football is these days. Like, I, I even heard the line of, you know, Oklahoma or Mike Gundy will go down as the most successful coach in Oklahoma State history. But with where he's put the program, he is not the right guy to build it back up to where it needs to be. So as recently as a month ago, the majority of Oklahoma's fan base didn't have confidence, thought that, I mean, they were looking at buyouts. Like, what does the buyout situation look like? I don't, that's not the case today. I'm not hearing anything about buyouts. And in fact, uh, you said made man. If he beats OU on Saturday, the final bedlam for a while, he, he's going to be a made man. And he's going to have a chance to play for a Big 12 championship as well. Because they're right there in the thick of that race with everyone else. And I think OU and Oklahoma State have the two easiest paths to Arlington. Well, if OSU wins, what, they're at UCF, BYU at home. Like, they've got a very favorable schedule the, the rest of the way out. They win this one. Yeah, he wins the last bedlam for a while. He may be playing in Arlington. It is. It, it will go from buyout talk in late September to, all right, this guy will be here long term in about a month's time. It's it's incredible to switch. Like, I I never thought we'd be talking about these, the storylines that we're talking about going into this game. It looked like it was going to be a blowout in September, but – a lot of people up here picking Oklahoma State to win this game on Saturday, guys. Wow. Uh, 2.30 to kick. And uh, is, is there any way, Tyler, you're in the, the belly of the beast there. You're in the center of it. I, we remember when Texas played Texas A&M for the final time, and we you never knew how when the next time would be. Uh, it was a big deal. But obviously, in the state of Texas, there's pro sports, right? There's, you know, we talked about the Rangers this morning. you got Cowboys. you got you got a lot going on. In the state of Oklahoma, I know there's Oklahoma Thunder there, but, you know, this is – this is the this is the game, <laughs> and, it, and it's going to be the last one for a long time. Is there any way to put the the level of vitriol uh, into perspective of just both sides of this deal and and how enormous this game is on Saturday in Stillwater? I mean, the, the, I, I can try and describe it several ways. I'll just go back to something I said a few minutes ago. Like Brent Venables beat Texas a month back, and this was after a forty nine nothing loss. Like his second year as a head coach. He had to avenge that 49 nothing loss. That Texas game was a huge game for him. It was a huge game for the program. It was a huge game for many reasons. But the fact that we're saying this week that this is the biggest game of the Brent Venables era, I, I think is really telling. I mean, and we're saying that because OU's coming off of a loss. You had this great opportunity to make it to the playoff, and if you lose this week, it's out the door. But you mentioned that Texas-Texas A&M game back in 2011, and maybe it's not a direct – apples to apples comparison but it's almost the feeling of if you lose this game you have a 91 19 7 edge in this rivalry's history i think it's the most lopsided rivalry in in state rivalry in all of college football but it's going to feel like immediately who cares about the 91 wins you've had over them in the past (laughs) they have scoreboard forever and you guys have dominated texas a&m for years for years but you're going to College Station in 2011 probably thinking the same thing. We've dominated them, but we're not going to play for a long time. And if they beat us, it's going to be awful to live in the state for the next decade, decade plus, however long, till we play these guys again. Luckily, Justin Tucker hits the field goal as time expires. But that's kind of the feeling here that you guys had back in 2011 is it does not matter the series history. If you lose on Saturday for the final time, it's going to be really tough to live in the state. And they're always going to be able to shout out scoreboard back at you, and that's not it's not going to be a fun place to be, regardless if you're going to the uh, to the SEC or not. Great stuff right there. Yeah, the winner will come out five and one in the Big Twelve. Obviously, the same case here in Austin. 
when Kansas State plays Texas uh, in this showdown. Of course, Oklahoma doesn't play K-State this year. That's part of that schedule that they have when they won't play the Wildcats. So uh, the winner of that game at Bedlam, as uh, Tyler McComas just mentioned, has a nice run uh, beyond that in the month of November up to to Arlington. Hey, my friend, we appreciate it. Great stuff right there. That's uh, the passion of that game. We're looking forward to seeing it. Obviously, the Longhorn fans will watch their game at 11 and then flip it over and see what's going on in Bedlam. Uh, Can't wait to see that uh, and all the emotion that will pour into that game. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, and I know both fan bases will be monitoring the Big 12 refs. I've been seeing what's been going on in the Texas game. We see what's been going on here. So everyone here as well is worried about Big 12 refs going into Saturday. Hey, well, good thing you're on the ref. The radio station is the ref up there in Oklahoma City (laughs) and all over the great state of Oklahoma. Hey, man, appreciate you. That's good stuff. And enjoy the game this weekend. All right, there it is, Tyler McComas. File him on Twitter at, or, at on X at mm. Tyler underscore McComas. Like he said, it's switched up for Gundy in just a couple of weeks. Uh, early, I figured people were calling for his job at at the point where he's rotating three different quarterbacks and also losing games. Uh, and then now, yeah, if he beats if he beats Oklahoma, he might he's gonna get another contract extension. Yeah, he's gonna get for another in ten year. years. Yeah, that, but that's that makes sense though up there because for for Mike Gundy. He has been walking this line where, you know, because Mike Gunn doesn't care what anybody thinks of him, um, but the anti-NIL, anti-transfer portal stuff, that's more controversial than the statements he makes that are political or anything like that. When college football fans, really what they care about is, are we winning games? <laughs> and you can make your political statements, but when you're losing and also making very controversial statements, then fans are like, nah, we got to get this guy out of here. His, uh, he's, he's unhinged and we're tired of his antics, but he's going to still make his controversial statements. That's just what Mike Gundy has always done. But if he's winning games, hey, they don't care. It's about wins, wins, man. It's about wins. I I know I say it flippantly, but it does feel like he was having tryouts in September. Like, he really was. I I think you were right. I remember we played the sound where he said, no, I watched the film. When they lost to South Alabama and lost bad. They scored three points on their home field. Yeah, everybody panics. Everyone's, what is going on? He's like, oh, we're good. I watched the film. We, we, this is all correctable. Uh, we got to get the right players in there. And, of course, here they are four straight and uh, in the race for the Big 12. And if they win Saturday, um, they, they, they've got Driver's a really seat. good chance to, yeah. to get themselves to Arlington. And you're right about Mike Gundy. And yeah, this is how much he's against NIL, which doesn't play well in his locker room. It's hard to go, you know, you hear fan bases saying, let's go get Ollie Gordon. Let's go get Ollie Gordon when the season's over. That's a great point. He's really good. That, you know what, that, yeah, so his theory, or at least his, uh, I would say his opposition to NIL will be tested. Oh, yeah. Right, a good player like that, I can see multiple Power 5 programs saying, oh, man, we'll, we'll give you a bag. He's good. Come on over here. <laughs> that we'll good. Back. We'll go, yeah, USC, places like that. Or Dion will say, hey, man, we'll give you a bag. Yeah. Come yeah. on out here and play with us. Uh, OU on their way to the SEC. We don't really have a running back right now. I don't know. Oh, a little. little. <laughs> that would be, oh, that blasphemous, man. Just go to the rival oh. on their way to the SEC. Oh, oh you become a you become a hated man That's right. by Oklahoma State fans. Well, you're not going to be playing them. That's true. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he is he from Oklahoma. He may he's not from Fort Worth. Back. From Fort Worth. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, who cares? Go ahead. Uh, do what you do, Ali. But he's a he's he's unbelievable. I mean, he is the best. I hate to say it, even with Jonathan Brooks, it looks like he's the best running back in the Big Twelve right now. He's you know over a thousand yards of total offense his last four games. <laughs> I mean, it's dumb. All right, we'll be back when we do. Uh, we'll go behind the burn orange curtain. We'll talk Texas and K State. That'll be the focus. Also, more on this Rangers World Championship. Great stuff for the Texas Rangers and baseball in the great state. We'll also go off the record before the end of the hour. It's a Thursday edition. Hook them up on uh, one hundred one nine AM twelve sixty. Stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Are we going into the deep Creed cuts? Is that what we're doing now? Is that what that is? See, I've never even heard this Creed jam. Is that only, Creed? Only, I'm believing it is. Only 325 million views on YouTube. But. Wow. This one? Oh, yeah. What's this? This is one last breath. It's one of their this. bigger hits. Okay. I'm not my hate notes. I'd never, I'd never heard of How it. many views? 325 million. 325 million. 325 million. That's you know that, uh, that uh, what is it, Baby Shark song? Oh, yeah, of course. That thing is. You know that thing has 13 billion views? Yeah, because <laughs> parents just have to play it over and over again because the kids want to hear it. Or I know that damn song just from babysitting kids. Yeah, I know that damn song. You know that had, before I had kids. Yeah, that song. I know. It's hilarious. <laughs> like, we'll be out at, like, Hay City Store, and they have a, there'll be a band on the stage, and they'll just start playing that song, and all the kids, kids like, freak there, out. Yeah. Like, oh! oh, man. It's like, yeah, I don't know what it's like, it is. It's like Freudian. Like, it's unbelievable. It's a dog whistle. They come running to the front. And Every generation of kids has that. Remember the Barney song was like that? Oh, and stuff like I hate Brutal. Oh, bro, exactly. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> brutal, it is. It is. I, trust me, I'm with you. And I, I know I'm going to have to deal with some version of that in the next few years. And Teletubbies, gonna... when my kids oh, were little. Yeah. You know what the, uh, the bane of my existence, my kids were little. One thing was Elmo. Oh, tickle yeah. Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo. Remember Tickle Me that Elmo? Big. Yeah, I remember those, man. That damn thing. Oh, yeah, you had a ton of those. Then, all... yeah, then you had to get one. Of course, you got like four of them. Oh, yeah, because they all had a different they all, theme. They all Tickle Me Elmos. Yeah, there was like a, was a cowboy <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo, and then a city Tickle Me Elmo, and then there was one It was yeah. like, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, man, they made a ton of money off the Tickle Me Elmo thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's straight cash. My oldest got really into Thomas the Train, too. That was kind of cool, too. I like the train sets. I think I've seen that one Thomas before. the Train, yeah. Yeah. And he had a whole, they had a whole table built. He'd be... That's where his movie-making began. He wanted to make uh... – he, he would get a camera, and he would actually, like – narrate See, the show and that's amazing yeah actually. when he was little uh all right so yeah. we're uh celebrating a ranger world championship that's uh, right first ever in the franchise's history as we're live with you on uh of course 1019 and am 1260 also we're back on the cameras now and actually the sun's come up here in south austin and wherever you are i'm it's sure beautiful thing. which means we got a little more light for me it's not as dark as it was earlier got the shades open now looking over uh onion creek golf course rod we got, we got all the deer out there man, out there, man. Listen, i know dude, your neighborhood is full of deer I, every time i drive in now I have to have the brights on, and I got to drive even slower. I mean, I drive the speed limit, but I drive even slower because they just – there's a bunch of them. There's a lot I of deer. I see about 
probably four deer per morning, just like either crossing the street or in yards and stuff when I drive. Well, and as you see, but our audience can't. Right? We, we oh, look man. across to a par three, which is number 13 north at Onion Creek. And it's beautiful. There's a whole covey of trees, oak trees down in there. That's where they live. They can get down to the creek oh, and uh, come in and out of there. So, yeah, it's a, it's they a good They're little comfortable deal. around here. You can tell y'all must take care of them because they're real comfortable. They just walk around. Yeah, they're all over the it. place. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yes, and that and squirrels. Squirrels and deer all over oh, the OC. Uh, but we're rolling. Now, remember, we're going to be out today. Come out and see us. Our friends at Bud Light. Of course, uh, Bud Light is the official domestic beer partner of your Longhorns. Sure. Those Texas X's, and it's brewed in Texas by Texans for Texans. Just like today, we'll be out at the uh, third base, third base sports bar, a grill out there in Round Rock, Texas, right off I-35 there. Come on out. We'll be there 5 to 7 as we do every Thursday of a home game with our friends at Brown Distributing and Bud Light. We'll be out there while Patrick is on the sports complex, you and I. We'll be holding it down at, uh, at at third base. That's right. We're giving away college football tickets, Ron. College football tickets. Also be giving away some other fun prizes. We had a Mac Brown, uh, Mac Brown, a Steve Sarkeesian signed football yesterday. Yes. Yeah, uh, last Sark's, week, Thursday. Yeah. Sark's autograph is a little iffy sometimes. Yeah, it was just that you was would Sark? have never guessed. That's Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> yeah. That was Sark. That's what they said. <laughs> There's no I was way. Say, hey, yeah. There yeah, was. I mean, it makes sense. Wait, I can see it kind of now, but I should have took a picture. It looks like J.T. Sanders to me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she just does uh, S Sark maybe he does S Sark I don't know, I don't know but is, uh, we yeah. gave that away last week at Backspin we'll do it again today <laughs> and if you're uh, going to tailgates you're one of final two final home game tailgates on Saturday down at Bevo Boulevard right, get it uh, in man get those Bud Lights get those burn orange cans of Bud Light have a great time um, you know it's going to be one of the last two times well, that next you know after tomorrow or after Saturday by. after it, Saturday it'll be uh, the Texas Tech game it'll be the last one damn it really does fly by. I know we wait for it all year, but uh, that's why we say, is this going to be a November to remember for the Longhorns? Because they can, they're right there. Just talked about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, the winner in a good spot. If the Longhorns were to win this game on Saturday, uh, they would be in a good spot with three to play, uh, looking towards Arlington in a Big 12 championship game appearance. Right. Uh, how are they going to get there? Let's talk about it with Rod behind the burn orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk Texas versus K-State. I want to talk about this K-State offense. I, I don't think Longhorn fans realize how good the K-State offense is. I think they 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 understand that they're very efficient and they're well-coached. Everybody talks about the things. But this offense has truly found its offensive identity. And if I could describe it, I would describe it as a power spread offense with motion, movement, misdirection um, with RPOs that put defenders, second-level defenders, in constant conflict. Um, and it probably has the most diverse quarterback run game in the country, potentially. Wow. I mean, it really does. They do everything. They do quarterback power, quarterback lead. They do, you know, they do rerun option. That's actually kind of what I'm worried about with Texas a little bit. Last time and the only time they've seen the option, uh, run Kansas. game with the quarterback was Kansas, and Jason Bean's a really explosive quarterback, but Avery Johnson is also really explosive, and he's got some of that Jason Bean straight-ahead speed that when he does turn up north-south, he, man, he gets north-south in a hurry. Uh, we've heard Kleiman, and we've heard multiple insiders who uh, came on. We had uh, the uh, the KSU, K-State insider. Tim Fitzgerald yesterday, and he said that uh, also he thought that Avery Johnson was the fastest player on the team, and the coaches say he was the fastest player on the team. So he's legit as a as a run threat for 
uh, for K-State. And I thought, just go over some stats real quick about how explosive this offense is. And, yes, it is primarily a run-based offense. They're going to run the football 65% of the time. That's what they want to do. They want to run the rock, and they want to get themselves in third and manageable, which, as he brought up, why they're top three in the country in third down conversion rate. Um, and this will be a great matchup because uh, Texas is one of the top three best uh, defenses in the country when it comes to defending third down. So it'll be a, a face-off, if you will, about third down. And that, that's big about getting them off the field. And he brought up a great point last hour, and I think it is uh, one that in case they naturally uh, will pursue, but they may make it even more deliberate. Uh, they may be more intentional about it when they can choke the life out of the clock because they run the football a lot with the new rules. You can just limit possessions and choke the life out of the clock, and we've seen several opponents of Texas do that, and K-State can do that if you don't get them off the field. Why is it so hard to get them off the field? Because of their run game and how diverse it is. They have a top top 10 rushing offense in the country. They're top five in rushing yards per game, top 15 in yards per rush, top seven in uh, overall rushing yards. If you look at 10 plus yard plays, and this is key, this is key for Texas, 10 plus yard plays, uh, period, overall. Um, K-State is seventh in 10 plus yard plays. They have more 10 plus yard plays than Texas. They Texas only has 130 10 plus yard plays. They got 143. So if you're like, oh, man, Texas is way more explosive. Actually, it depends on your definition of explosive. They're a really explosive offense. Um, Now, 20-plus yard, 30-plus yard plays a little different because I don't think they have that much speed that when they do have the, uh, the schematic advantage to break a run, or to scheme a guy open, I don't know if they have the elite speed because Avery Johnson is the fastest guy on the team and he runs a 4-4. So they have the elite speed to pull away. All right, and have these big chunk yardage explosive touchdowns. But I think if you're looking at just schemed open explosive, which is usually within a 10-yard range, K-State is – they're really good. Like I said, 67 10-plus yard rushes, that's the second most in the FBS and the most in the Power Five. So nobody in Power Five football has more 10-plus yard rushes Gosh. than K-State. Like old school Nebraska or something. It re- <laughs> the, the quarterback run game is really diverse. It's crazy. Um, but they're 39th in 20-plus. Well, that makes sense. Colin runs. Klein was a running quarterback himself. He's the offensive coordinator, right? Exactly right. Yeah, he's got two of these guys to work with. Um, and if you go look at te- – Texas is actually really good at defending uh, these plays. Texas – uh, allows has allowed only 92 10 plus yard plays, uh, but 20, only 25 on the ground. That's the 12th fewest nationally. So Texas is really good at you know defending and, and defending explosive plays on the ground. But they will be tested in this game against K State, unlike they've been tested against any team this year. Texas rush defense is really good. It's one of the best in the country. It'll be tested. No doubt about it in this game with the with the, said, with the quarterback run game specifically. They'll run triple option run game, zone read, read option, RPOs uh, with the quarterback design runs. That's, what, that's what's going to make life really difficult for Texas second-level defenders like Jalen Ford, uh, like Benda, like Anthony Hill, like Jade Barron because they must constantly be aware of the quarterback's legs but also – be aware of the, the pre-snap motion, which is going to occupy their eyes. Um, you know, the play-action pass that RPO is, is going to put them in constant conflict. It's just a it's a really tough game for second-level defenders. Essentially, the offense is built around manipulating second-level defenders. Yeah, and the Longhorns have struggled with that at times when they're put into that conflict, obviously. Yep. As we talked about yesterday or this week, Jalen Ford, 
you know, was predictably going to have a good game against BYU because they don't put your linebackers in conflict, and they were probably going to win the line. The, the defensive line was going to win the line of scrimmage. In this case, you know, you know, BYU is the best. Excuse me, uh, Kansas State's the best interior O line that Texas will have played. Yes, so, sir. Uh, the ability to at least stalemate with Devondre Sweat and stalemate with Byron Murphy. That's something most teams don't do. So if, if Texas isn't getting that, that means the linebackers are probably going to deal with more traffic uh, from offensive linemen. Uh, this becomes a huge linebacker game, and that's why I love that you pointed out last week we saw them break out the package that included Maurice Blackwell, uh, number 37, and Anthony Hill, number one, to go with Jalen Ford. There are three linebackers on the field, but you know, three, you know, some of your fastest players on your team try to run with these guys and, and – you know, maybe take up David Benda off the field, take one of those nickelbacks, but put somebody with a little more size. And Blackwell was bringing some lumber last week. He was. I mean, they, they blitzed out of that package a lot. And Anthony Hill had more snaps than David Benda. I think they're trending toward – Derek Williams actually had the most snaps of any safeties. I think Texas is trending now toward guys they trust um, and tightening up some of those rotations and giving some of these younger guys who have more upside, uh, maybe giving them some more reps. But this is also the best defense that K-State's going to face. Uh, that they have faced, I should say, and probably that they will face. I don't look at it, but they had Texas, K-State hadn't faced a defense this good. So K-State will also be shell-shocked a bit by the speed of Texas's defense. That's right. By, by Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, um, by having that tandem, that combination of, of size, speed, and power in the middle. They haven't faced it either. So it is, you know, for both sides, Texas defense hasn't faced a rushing attack with an interior offensive line, like you said, E, that is uh, this formidable. And uh, K-State hadn't faced a defense this fast that is this – um, efficient and effective at stopping the run, and mostly because of Tavondre well, Sweat and Byron Murphy. Well, and so you got first for both of them. Something's got to give. I'll be interested to see this, Rod, and we're going to get the timeout to, to off the record. Mm-hmm. By the way, and off the record, did you hear what Mike Florio indicated or said yesterday from Pro Football Talk about Bill Belichick? Oh, my gosh, I'll get you that story coming up Ooh, off the uh-oh. record. Uh-oh. But, Rod, the, uh, the, you know, we know during practice and in spring and at times this year they broke out that four D-line package where Alfred Collins slides to the outside mm-hmm. and they put four bigs. You wonder, you know, against this group, do you see some of that? Because you've got to set the perimeter. You've got to set the edge. Uh, you got to let your linebackers flow and run and get to where they need to be to get these quarterbacks. Could you see some of that? Or is that maybe, maybe Vernon Broughton, maybe Alfred Collins it, on the field with those two tackles? It could be It could be an early down thing, right? You're talking about an early downs where you want to make sure you stuff the run. We talk, even Sarkis talked about we talked about you got to win on first down so you can force them into second and long, third and long. That's when Texas is winning that battle. Um, if you want to stop them on early downs or – Force them to throw it on early downs, something they don't want to do. Right? They want to run it on early downs, force them to throw it. You force them to throw it by you know, putting, you know, winning the, the, the line of scrimmage battle, winning the numbers advantage in the box, uh, winning the size advantage in the box, and maybe they'll decide, all right, you know what, we're going to throw it on first down on early downs. That would also be a win to me. Because that would be them, um, you know, outside of their comfort zone. They want to pound the rock, and they want to get to second and short, third and short. And they also, when they put Avery Johnson there, just know he attacks the edges and the perimeters. When I did the, uh, the numbers, and shout out to my man Matt Butler, he brings it up on Longhorn Blitz, um, over 80% of his rushes are in the C and D gap. Over 90% of his 10-plus yard rushes, explosive runs, over 90% of his forced missed tackles, and over 90% of his yards come in the C and D gaps. He does not like running in the interior. Why would he? He's kind of riry. He's a little bit slight. Still got his high school 
school body. Don't even have his grown man body yet. He is fast, but he is smallish, and they don't run him up the gut. He's why would he do that against Texas when this is the best interior D line they face? They don't do it schematically. He doesn't like to do it. So when he's in the game, Texas needs to make sure that they're stout on the outside and that they got contained on those edges. With no Ethan Burke. That could be a challenge, and that's why I think you're going to have that package that he just talked about, Anthony Hill, Mo Blackwell, Jalen Ford, and you can use those guys as hybrids or spies or blitzers off the edge, and then you got Sorrell and you got Murphy and you got Sweat on the D-line who can really kind of just clog up the middle. And while your guy and and and, bounce, and make sure everything bounces outside, and then you got the speed to track it down sideline to sideline. Great stuff right there behind the burnt orange curtain. That's why we do it. Uh, now you're in the know. We come back, it'll be in the know off the record. Stories uh, maybe you haven't heard yet, but you need to because they're going to be talked about. I promise you. It's Hook It Up with the Hook Em Up with Ian Rod V. Off the record on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. Cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Boom goes the dynamite, and like the uh, Texas Rangers last night. Boom goes boom, the dynamite. Shakalaka. Rangers are world champions. Josh Spores with the strikeout of uh, Cattell Marte. Rangers win at 5 nothing. They dominate the games in the desert after going 1-1 in Arlington. 11 straight road wins. Props to the Rangers. Uh, how about this, Rob? This would be a boom goes the dynamite story. You know, Mike Florio is pro football talk, works with your oh, guy yeah. Sims. Yeah, does a good job. He said something yesterday. Let me, I'll just read it quote for quote, what he said. And this comes on the heels of the Washington Commanders trading both of their young defensive ends for draft picks mm-hmm. on the trade deadline day. Yeah. I said, and this is what Flores said, I heard something over the weekend. I've been trying to think of the best way and the best time to talk about it, and it's not a report. Look, when you're plugged into everything that's happening and talk to a lot of different people, you hear things, you hear certain things that make you say, whoa, hmm, that's interesting. Whoa. And what I heard over the weekend from someone I know and someone I trust that made me say, whoa, that's interesting, is the possibility that at the end of the season, the commanders could try to work a trade with the Patriots for Bill Belichick. Oh, okay. That, that you know what? Belichick got a new deal, but there's kind of Robert Kraft and he are not seeing eye to eye right now. And Ooh. the Washington Commanders with their new ownership group mm. would want to make a splash. Remember where Vince Lombardi finished his career? Washington. Washington after yep. the success in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah. people, like why, why would they get rid of both defense why, to last, acquire draft picks? So last, you have capital. Last to, place Shanahan was. Yeah. Washington. They like them old coaches who've proven themselves already. Like, hey, man, they're going to get this Well, and they're out. trying to win their fan base back and <laughs> yeah. make a splash. And Ron Rivera's probably not the long-term solution there. No, I like Ron. He was he was my defensive coordinator when I was in Chicago. He's a good guy, but, nah, failure up there. That's a failure of an experiment, not him, but it's a failure of an experiment. And so just keep hey, that man. out there. And that's, you know, we put it in off the record because he's saying clearly it's not a report but heard from someone. And um, hey. so now, keep an eye. That would be a splashy. That would be. Move. I mean, we think about We just saw that. With the Broncos. They traded for Sean Payton, didn't they? They did. They traded for him. So uh, John Gruden got traded for once yeah. before. So it's actually the, – the tra- I don't know why more coaches aren't traded for. 
I would have inquired about, you know, guys like Sean McVay and see, like, hey, man, you want to trade that young coach? I'd go get a young one like that. Well, and, and we know this. In football, you're, you're as good as your coach and your quarterback. I mean, it's really where it starts Pretty and much. ends. Yeah. You can be good in a lot of places. If you're not good in those two places, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. And teams trade for quarterbacks, all right, at least more and more. We're starting to see teams who trade for a quarterback. I don't know why you wouldn't trade for a coach. you think teams would do it more often, but I guess how many made men are there in the coaching industry that's like, oh, no, that guy's worth trading for. Well, and then it's not that many. Well, and obviously the narrative right now with Josh McDaniels' failure with the Raiders is, as you pointed out yesterday, Bill Belichick's coaching tree not good. No. But now people are starting to ask, was Bill Belichick all because of Tom Brady too, right? Because they haven't been good since mm. he's been gone, and he wasn't great before he had Tom Brady. That could be true. But I think it's a combination. Would Brady, would Brady have won a Super Bowl without Belichick? We know Fair that. Question. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It, but would he have won as many? I don't think so. And I don't think Belichick obviously doesn't win as many without Brady. Belichick did a lot of things. As a football theorist, I can tell you, Belichick was ahead of the game and a trailblazer in like four or five different areas of the NFL that really set them apart and separate the Patriots and forced the rest of the NFL to play catch-up. Agreed. And copycat. Agreed. You know what um, I mean? They started running like the hurry-up and up-tempo before a lot of teams did. Remember the two tight end sets with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez? They were on that big the, the big 12s uh, packages before most teams were. You know, they, they were playing um, – the six, they were playing a lot of dying packages and running the three high before a lot of teams were running with three safeties, the big nickel and big dimes. Man, it's just so much stuff that he was doing. He's still a great coach. He's still a great coach. It's also a fact that Bill Parcells has never won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick Ooh, calling his defense. Ooh, now that's a that's good never happened. point. Um, and Parcells is a hell, of a, a hell of a coach. So we'll yeah. see. Keep an eye on that. I do think it's fair to say that come this offseason, the Washington Commander is going to want to make a splash. When, was Parcells traded for it one time? Uh, the Jets, yeah, Jets and Patriots. Yeah, remember? traded for them too, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Belichick go. was almost. They, they You're were, right. He, he, with the Jets remember and Patriots. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he pulled a Josh McDaniels at one point. Oh yeah, he, he pulled he? the reverse Johnny. Yeah, yeah, the reverse Johnny. I love that from Colonel. All right. Um, okay. How about this? So uh, we saw yesterday that Josh McDaniels got fired. So we're talking about that. Um, and uh, Joe uh, Pomp is it John Pompliano? Joe, yeah, the, the business guy? Yes, who does a really good job. He, does, he writes business articles and kind of breaks everything down uh, just from kind of in layman's terms, uh, that kind of stuff. And he put out an article talking about the guaranteed contracts that both John Gruden and Josh McDaniels oh. got, basically saying that now the Raiders are paying somewhere between $40 million and $80 million for John Gruden and Josh McDaniels' contract, depending on Gruden. Remember, Gruden's suing still. So if that settlement obviously doesn't uh, work out maybe for him, or if it does, then they're going to pay him his full guaranteed deal. That'd be $80 million you're paying to two coaches on guaranteed deals. Michael Parsons, his uh, tweet uh, responds to that <laughs> after he quote tweeted, but players can't get fully guaranteed money. LOL-ish a scam. Yeah. It's and now, now Mark Davis has to go hire a new coach. On and top of and the, offer uh, him a guaranteed deal, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> Ish a scam. Yeah, man. Uh, I got a story I got to give you coming back that we didn't get to and off the record because I, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it in the paper, Rock. Uh -oh. I wouldn't have believed this story, and it's Grubhub related. I'm not a Grubhubber. Me either. Ty yeah. is, though. So Ty's I got to put this warning yeah. out there. We'll have that. Also, Rod will have a rant coming up. We're rolling with you on a Thursday. Rangers are world champs. And a Big 12 weekend starts tonight. And what a Saturday and Sunday of college and pro football we've got on tap. All things we're talking about on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodbeck.